Good morning, everyone. It's Dr. P, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Inspirational Podcast. Hey, everyone. It's Dr. P, and thanks again for tuning in. Today's guest is Chris Valente. He's the director of marketing for the Boston Red Sox and a very, very close friend of mine. Chris was on my show before. And he was talking about his podcast. It's called The Front Office Features, where he spends time helping younger minds get ready for a career in sports management. This is a guy that you want to listen to. He's sharp, he's intelligent, and he really wants to help others. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to give him a call and see if he wants to come back on. Talk a little bit about sports in America, especially right now where we are. You know, I wanted to know a little bit more about the Red Sox, what's going on with them, what can we expect, what has he been through? And, um, you know, our conversation led us into even more important things about how important sports itself is in the American culture and what it does for our soul and for our mind when we're stressing. So we had a really fun conversation. We reflected on quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of what's going on today, but I kept it light. We kept it positive. And I hope that at least it touches you just for that you know, little bit of time that you listen in to us. So without further ado, check out our conversation. So Chris, it has been quite a while since you and I were in the same room together. Uh, Miami. Hey, it was Miami. What restaurant were we in? Oh, what the hell was the name of that place? It was right across from the Clevelander. In Super it Bowl was. Week. It was right on the beach. Yeah, it was right on the beach. It was the, it was the DraftKings house. DraftKings. That's. But right. it was a name. I forget the name of the bar. It was like the DraftKings. I think they bar. Call, I think they call it the DraftKings bar. Yeah, they oh, took oh, it over whatever. for that whole entire weekend. That was a great weekend. It was a great weekend. It feels yeah. like 15 years ago, but it was <laughs> a great weekend. I mean, if you think of 2020, what 2020? It's rot with all kinds of stuff. But that was still part of 2020. It was, and it was fun. It was a great like my 2020 started off with a bang like I was in Vegas for CES then I came to the Super Bowl in Miami then I went to spring training in Fort Myers yeah land in Boston in March 1st nine days later I haven't been back in the office since March 10th it was like a <laughs> whirlwind and <laughs> whirlwind of fun and we were kind of hearing about the virus when we were in Miami like we're like oh that's this thing happening out in Washington right. it was it was there we're like oh you know it's always these swine flus it always pops up and then it goes away and then we never thought it would turn into this no no, no I did not think I'd be in my house yeah. uh locked down and watch sports I mean the first domino that fell was March Madness yeah and then people were like wow like this is really happening sports are going to be put on the back burner we're not having March Madness then the Masters Baseball just was like it was postponed. Like a, a it crumbling was, empire. It was crazy to watch, and 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 then being inside it, like we were seeing it happen. And our our team doctors were giving us updates every day. Yeah, and you're like, uh oh, this is not good. Well, that was spring training time for you guys, right? It was. Yeah. We were we were in spring training, and the dominoes just kept falling. Uh, and then when NHL and NBA, I'll me- I remember it vividly. In the middle of the Utah Jazz game, they had to stop. And they ran everyone off the court because a player tested, Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID. Was he the guy that touched the microphones? He was, is the joke. And then uh, he ran out and was on the court and they're like, oh, he's positive. They ran off the court and then they shut down the NBA season right there. And they were like, oh, it'll be about two weeks. Everyone remember there's the whole two week thing. We're like, oh, it's two weeks. So we're like, all right, spring training will shut down for two weeks. And we'll be back. We'll be back. And then it didn't happen for a while. And we were all just, like everyone else, we didn't, it was so new. No one knew what the hell was going on. 
people were asking us questions. We didn't pretend to have answers. We, nobody had answers. Right. Uh, and then eventually we did figure out a season, which was, which was good. Uh, not the season, obviously anyone would hope for, but we did get a, a season in and there's a world series champion, which right. some normalcy to 2020, but not, it didn't feel like a real. And it was LA that won. It was finally. I mean, hell, they can only lose so many World Series before they finally win. But, right. but you know, I am from Boston. So the fact that LA had to win during such a watered down response doesn't, that's, it's okay with me. Yeah. I, a lot of people have that. I mean, also that we watched Mookie go out there and do really well, which was, yeah. is something. But hey, he. Well, he's a good player. He's so a great player. He's it. he's a great guy, and and yeah. he got a nice paycheck, which he very well deserved. So. What was his contract like? Was it? I think old? he got three three forty moving forward. Three hundred forty million dollars to play a kids game. Yep. Yep. What what happened to us? It's uh, not a bad life if you can get it. Not a bad life if you can well, get it. It's a one in a bazillion. It is a one in a bazillion. Yes. Yeah. Get your education because that's not many Mookie Betts is out yeah. there. And you need a lot of support along the way. You can't do it by yourself. I mean, you no. got to do the hard work yourself, but you need great people around you. Totally. I mean, and he's and he he is a really really good person, yeah. um, which is what makes it even better. And he, he was raised well. He's down to earth like he's a really good guy so yeah, he cares about people. when people like that get taken care of and good things happen to them you can't begrudge them so yeah yeah you know and everybody's moving today in sports it's it's, it's, a, it's the, a business it's a business it's a business it's not the days of the past when you know two decades ago when there was some loyalties like a larry bird stays with the with the uh the celtics for his entire career i don't know if you want to call it loyalty or just it worked out well but. yeah no it's it, it's just it, the world's evolved. The business has evolved. The game makes a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, sports owners and players make a lot of money. And when there's a lot of money to be had, decisions are going to be made. And it's just, it's the part of the business that fans never want to look at. Right. And I get it. You want right. to keep it as pure as possible. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're paid to do a job. Like, right. and it's a really cool job, but yeah. it's still a job and no different than me. I have a job to do. They have a job to do. We get paid and compensated for what we do. Right. And we all have different talents and, you know, you get paid. They just have a very unique talent. Yeah. And it, obviously it brings us joy, usually. Unless yeah. We, unless we lose. Yes. <laughs> but it's, it brings us something. It brings us emotion yeah. and people care. And that's what I've always talked about. My industry is very unique and it elicits feelings one way or another. Like we're as a country, we shut down for two weeks to watch people swim when we right. go to the Olympics. Like we care about winning and sports brings this passion right. outside of us that you don't find with many other things other than maybe religion or politics, but sports typically is the one thing that unites us right. um, and it brings us together. I mean, watching the Olympics is so wonderful because I mean, I, I, I'm a, I love America. I love our American athletes and I want to win. That's just, that's, yep. I think everybody feels the same way, but I don't have a problem watching another athlete from another country. Who's got a great story. Who's just another person like I am living in another part of the world who has a dream. It's really cool. And because like you do see those stories and those feel good stories where like we don't, we, we, we just talked about this before. We live in a bubble, right? In America, yeah. we live in a bigger bubble. So we don't know about the struggles that they're having in their country that they fought all the way to get to the Olympics. Right. Even just, just to, to be there. Just to be there yeah. and to walk in the opening ceremonies. It's, really, it's, it's a really cool event. It'll be interesting to see if it happened. I mean, it was canceled this year. Right. It's supposed to happen in early 2021. Right. I heard they're losing like three point eight billion already. It's, it's tough. It's going to yeah. be tough. Like, I, I don't know. It, to have the whole world come from all different places and, and descend on one area is going to be interesting to see if they still do it. But, yeah. you know, I watched the movie Eddie the Eagle. Have you ever seen that? I'm, I know what it is, but never you seen have it. to watch that. If you want to feel like everything we just said and then times a hundred and when his big moment comes, it'll bring tears to your eyes. Well, you know, it's like 
I wasn't alive when Miracle happened. Yeah. But I watched that movie. Yeah. And it's like that emotion is what you love about sports. And yeah. like you can't, you, it's hard to replicate that with other stuff. You know, even the, the Russian athletes, I'm sure you know this. I, I watched that um, that game here, right in this house where we're doing this podcast from, in a little 13-inch TV that was a little black and white nothing. It was uh, it, it was the rushing part of it, not the, uh, the, the gold medal piece of it. But, you know, it was uh, early morning and we were watching it and I'm thinking, well, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. But it has never softened in a single day. It's got better and better and better and better. But the, the Russian athletes that were on the ice after they lost to the Americans, they were obviously in disbelief and they're going to have to deal with it when they get home based upon their Yeah, a little different, a little different when you lose when you lose for Russia when you have <laughs> yeah, to go home. to a bunch of college kids. Yeah, You got to go home. But later when they were interviewed, a lot of them said that they they marveled at watching the kids because they had, it had been so long since that was them in that position because they just won so many times that the first time you win something, it's it's the greatest thing ever. And you see the emotion with the kids and with America. It was, it was, like, wow. it was, it was unbelievable in terms of the story. I mean, I, I, like I said, I was born the year later, yeah. um, but watching that and hearing about that as the one sporting event, I wish I was alive for that. Yeah. I wasn't alive for Cause it just seems like the coolest thing ever got a, small glimpse of it a couple of years ago when the Americans were playing Russia again and TJ Oshie was doing the shootout in the morning. Sure, yeah. that, that was, was exciting, great. It was yeah. great. But it, I mean, it was a very different time. We weren't yeah. in a cold war. So, yeah. All right. Uh, and it was NHL players versus NHL players, but it still was really cool because it was America and like, he just kept going and kept going and kept going yeah. and we won. And yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. Like you just, in those moments, you just forget about everything else. In 1980, I went on a ski trip to Lake Placid, New York. And I went to this place called Mud Puddles, which was a bar there. And we were a party. And I was 20 years old. Yeah. Ball. <clears throat> and the next day, my brother said to me, let's go over to the skating rink where they had just won the, the gold medal. I'm like, you think they'll let us in? So we go over and knock on the door. They let us in. I walk in there and I'm in, oh my God. I thought I was going to see the burning bush in front of me, right? <laughs> I was like, holy crap. To, to sit and look around, to think what kind of energy was It's not a big arena room. either, right? It's like, no, it's, it's, it's tiny. It's, it's a little barn. It's probably four or 5,000 yeah. seats. That's it. It's but have you talked to everyone in America there? Everyone was at that game. Yeah. Oh yeah, everyone knows. I was, oh, I was at that game. No, no, you probably, yeah, you probably weren't at that so. game. As a matter of fact, it's really only on one side where they have the stance. It's almost like going to a BU game or something. It's a tiny, know? yeah, it's a tiny little rink. Because back yeah. then, you didn't need a massive rink for, and like, there wasn't NHL players. Yeah, and, and even if if the, if the Americans didn't win and that didn't happen, it wouldn't have been a big deal. No, life would have went on. It just went on. You would have watched the Russians win a gold medal in this mild to moderate arena. Who cares? Yep. You know, but all of a sudden, you know, the unthinkable happens and it's like, wow. And it's indelible now forever. Forever. They make movies of it, obviously. They make movies. It's one of the, co it's one of the coolest uh, calls ever by Al Michaels. Yeah. Like, it just, it changed his career. It changed so many, it just, it was really cool. And like, that's, that's what we've missed in 2020. Yeah. Like that, those moments that you can just let yourself escape into and be a kid for 12 years for when you feel like you're 12 years old for three hours. Yeah. Forget your troubles and move on. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm, I'm just so, I know it's going to come back, but this is an, this is a really tumultuous time where, you know, it's uncertain, <clears throat> but I, I, I want to believe number one in sports. I'm talking with you. You're the guy for, Who's, who I can connect with sports with. And if it doesn't come back, it would be, it will. But in the fact that to even consider not getting that passion of the sports again would be like, what? Oh, it'll, it'll come back. <laughs> There's no doubt it will come back. It's a matter of 
when we do come back, right? Like there's no, right. there's no doubt. And there's gonna be this pent up demand for it. Eventually people are going to be like, get me in that building. I need to go experience this. Like I need something. With <laughs> I don't to care do. if I'm watching cockroaches going through. Right, a maze. Like, I need competition. I feel I, we missed that. Right. That's yeah. the part of our bodies. Like we're just naturally, it's been going back to the Romans. Like you go to Coliseum for like, that just, was just on my mind. Like you literally, yeah. it's been, it's inbred in us that competition and going to those type of things. Yeah. We, NFL is our modern day gladiators, right? They right. put on the helmets, they run into each other probably think about it from a scientific factor. Like this is probably crazy. We probably should maybe take they a look at this. They probably had CTE in Prob- Rome too. Yeah, huh? probably, but it'll come back. And it, I'll be honest, I don't think it'll be fully back in 2021. Um, right. I don't think we'll be there. And I don't think we're going to flip this switch and everything's going to be 70,000 people yeah, nice. in a building again. 2022, maybe the back end of 2021. Like NFL probably isn't the best primed position to be back to what you would call normal. Well, they're the biggest audiences. Yeah, no, but even by the just timing, their next season won't be till the, probably the middle of fall next year. Right. At then, maybe we're talking about getting 40, 50,000 people. Spring training for us, that's a couple months away. Right. Like NHL, NBA are trying to start in three weeks. Right, right. No one's even been vaccinated yet. The right. normalcy will not be here to start. We're hoping to hopefully turn that corner mid-year next year. Um, but again, who the hell knows? Like we're, yeah. we've stopped playing the guessing game. We can't predict anything anymore and feel like we're telling you that's going to happen for certainty. Because one thing we've learned over the last eight months, nothing's for certain. Nothing. I mean, we yeah. didn't two months ago. There was no vaccine, and now we're talking about a vaccine coming out in two weeks. So like, yeah, life comes at you fast. It's it just, does. It's just in terms of planning and preparing. We're almost doing worst case scenario planning and hoping for the best. Yeah. Well, I suppose in this particular time, that's where you got to look at it. You kind of have to. What what other choice do you have? Like when people ask us questions, our fans ask us questions, our sponsors ask us questions, we have to be transparent. And that's what people appreciate. And they appreciate a true partnership. They don't appreciate you giving them something they want to hear. You just tell them the truth. Right. And that way they can make an informed decision. I think people can make... um, they're going to be better with the truth than they are with some fabrication that really never comes to fruition. Comple- and they can read through it too, right? Yeah. Like they can read BS. And yeah. then if you tell them the truth, they can make an informed decision and they'll, they do appreciate that more. And we've tried to be as upfront as possible and, and be good partners yeah. because that's what a true partnership is. I have uh, season tickets to the Patriots and um, this year I got uh, something in the mail, but I was completely uh, busy with all the other junk that I'm dealing with because I'm a business owner during this time, right? So I get emails from them, maybe one, talking about my account, didn't pay any attention to it. Then when I finally really looked at what's going on, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have any tickets. And, you know, you paid, now what do you do? I'm like, oh. So I called them up and they said, well, that deadline was last week for you to get a refund on your series, on your year's uh, tickets. I said, "Um, okay. I said, but I... I, I don't mean to be, make an excuse, but I just kind of lost track of it while I was doing everything else. And they, and I waited to hear what they would say. And they went, eh, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. See, that's, that's, that's I what mean, you should do. That's what you should do. And also it just, you'll remember that next year when you have to renew your season tickets. That's right. Like, and that's what we did. Like we told people immediately put us to the side. You have other stuff in your life to worry about your partnership or your tickets with the Red Sox is not a priority right now, right? You have to keep your people employed. You have to feed your family. You have other stuff that you need to make sure happens. We're not naive of the fact that sports is a luxury. Right. It's not a necessity. Right. You know, I've learned that because I'm not watching, I'm watching college football. That's the only sport time I'm giving myself time for. And I realized that I don't need to watch sports right now. 
I would love it, but I don't have to have it. What I have to have is time with my family. I need time to be able to plan for my next move in life, yeah. to financially take care of my children and take care of myself and to keep the passions burning that keep my keep keep me getting out of bed every day. Sports doesn't bring that up for me. It just polishes it up. Right. So, and I need a little bit of it's a luxury. Moment. It's a luxury. It really is. Um, but if it's handled correctly, then it can be reintegrated into a place where it feels good again. But right now, everybody's feeling stressed over the whole damn thing. Whether you're in the organization or you're somebody you're investing, <sighs> yeah, no, you're it, in it. <laughs> it's it's a it's a day to day. It's a day to day. Like yeah. we have to take every day by day. We know it'll get better. We 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 know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just not going to be immediacy, and it's right. and that's what people typically want nowadays. Yeah. Um, and the people who are patient, specifically the ones that work in our industry, are going to be benefiting at the end. It's also creating this weird dynamic for folks that are probably in my age or older who have families, kids, bills. We're not making the money we're typically accustomed to making. People right. are making decisions to leave the industry and go do something else, which will open the door for somebody. It's like it's sure. just it's a cycle. It's a cycle of life. Yeah. And right now it's it's not a great cycle for our industry. Right. But if history and history seems to repeat itself quite often tells you anything, sports will be a big big part of our recovery when we come out on the other end of this. It has to be. It has. It already has been, especially in a city like Boston, which we can say, I mean, people all over the world listen to my podcast. So I'm like, hey, you don't live in Boston, you wouldn't know, but we're title town, baby. <laughs> and it, yeah, and it, it, every major disaster you'd call that's happened in the last 30 years, 40 years has been brought back by sports in sports. some capacity. Yeah. And like going back to 9-11, George Bush goes out and throws the best first pitch of all time at the game and no one cared who they voted for. <laughs> right. Like, it was just, we're our Americans and this is great. And Mike Piazza hits a home run and, and to bring baseball back. It's just those moments <clears throat> change your structure and how you view life in that given time. And it's okay, it's okay to just let go. And then you become 12 years old for like that moment. And it's right. hard to do that in other stuff. Yeah. Speaking of Boston, we talked about the marathon bombing happens, right. 2013. The Bruins are on their march to the Stanley Cup. They're invigorated by a city. I was at every one of those games working for the organization. The place was electric. I thought TD Garden was going to fall to the ground when they came back against the Maple Leafs. Yeah, and I was those there. Goals. It was like you thought. Like, Can I say that, by the yeah, way? I was there. Yeah, I you was, was there. You were there. <laughs> so it's like those moments are just different. And we feel together. We feel proud. We feel stronger yeah. as a group when we have those things happen to us. Yeah. David Ortiz takes the mic and says, this is our effing city. Like, and then they go on and win a world series yeah. with one of the, probably the worst teams they've ever had, but they were just, they were brought together for that. Right. So by the way, who won the Super Bowl after 9-11 happened? The Patriots. Yeah. When Bono was on stage singing and it was a wonderful, uh, uh, halftime show. The whole country was rooting for him, right? <laughs> it was the underdogs. Their name were the Patriots. They looked like they were, they were American against the flag. greatest team of all Th time. Things have changed in 30 years in terms of rooting for the Patriots. Right. But, uh, but even the Yankees went to the World Series. New York, they they lost in games, but they were there. Like it yeah. was just sports has this way of connecting with people yeah. after tragedy to bring us back. And yeah. I think 2020, we could have used it yeah. to get together and mass gather. But unfortunately, our industry is facing the problem. Like we are we are going to be a super spreader if we have 70,000 people come to a game. Right. And we're aware of that. We're not going to be part of the problem. We were supposed to be part of the solution and that's what's been tough for us. Right. And it's and you just have to go with it. It is what it is. <clears throat> like, what are you going to do? You can't change it. Like, no. You adjust. And we, the one thing about sports and players and the people that are in our business, they're resilient. 
And you had to get creative and find ways to survive. And that's what we've done for the last eight months. And it's important how you treat the investors, which is the everyday Americans. It's the fan, right? Yeah, the fan. You take care of the fan, they come back. You lie to them and you do things that are unethical, they're going to second guess whether they want to put their money into you. Because it's, it is a lot of, it's a lot of money. It's a, it's, it, if you realize it's a big time commitment oh, yeah. to be a fan. It's a big monetary <laughs> investment to be a fan. It's not cheap to be a sports fan. Oh. And you have other choices. There's life's about choices. You could spend your money and your time doing other things. Like you said, you found other things to do. Right. People will do that. There will be people who won't come back. Yeah. Um, but there'll be people who are like, I need that fix. Give me my Fenway Frank. Give me my cold Sam Adams. I want to sit yeah. in right field. Just get me out of my house and put me in Fenway Park. And I'm going to be that guy that turns on any sporting event. I don't know, whatever time that's going to be. Maybe next year, the year after. When there's a buzz around it, when things are starting to soften and like the fruit is ripening and all of a sudden I turn it on and then all of a sudden I'm going to go, wait a minute, I forgot how much I miss this. But for right now, I got other things to get done. So I'm, I'm, and it's not even an option to do, right? So like you, you just compartmentalize it yeah. and just put it in the back and just say, it's not something I can even do right now. Eh, yeah. I'll worry about it when I can't. Like, there's nothing to even consider. You can't go to a game. Like, it's not even an option. So I, and I have to sit with the memories of all these wonderful moments. And I'm, it's great. One thing I love about the internet, my, my mom, she's, um, I'll say hi to mom. She's going to listen to our podcast. She does anyway, but she, I was over the house and she's, hi mom. Hi mom. <laughs> she's watching TV and there's nothing on TV. Cause you know, you turn the TV on it's probably going to be something that messes with your head to begin with. So I said to her, do you know how to use your, she has a smart TV. You know how to use this now? I said, you want some help? Yeah. So I teach her how to like use the, the remote yeah. for Xfinity and she talks into it. I said, just say something. I said, how about you just watch something that's going to make you feel good. And she goes, okay, like what? I go, how about the Patriots versus the Falcons in the Super Bowl when Tom Brady brought him back from 28 to 3? She goes, we could do that? <laughs> <clears throat> I said, yeah. Now just take the remote and say, uh, uh, Patriots, Falcons, Super Bowl, YouTube. So she does it. Boop, up it comes. She hits the button. She starts watching it. And I was only supposed to show her for a couple of minutes. But we watched... Probably a half an hour. You could not watch right. it. Hey, I've seen it a million times, but it doesn't matter. It evokes it takes you that back. emotion. It takes you back to a place where you remembered jubilation. And right. like you just escaped to that moment. And, and you need it. That that will not bring my wife back to a positive because she was in the ER about to get her gallbladder taken out that night. Oh, wow. <laughs> we were watching the game. Was, this is crazy. We were watching the game at home. Randomly all, we were home because everyone had gotten sick. The Super Bowl party we were supposed to go to, everyone was sick. She was having some issues. I was like, you're not right. We go to the ER. The Patriots are getting their butts kicked. They scored another touchdown before we got in and got admitted. It was 21 to three. Then it was 28 to three when they wheeled her away. <laughs> they bring her back. And I'm watching the, the game on my, my phone. on my phone in the ER by myself, just sitting there. I'm like, and they're marching back and they're marching back. And I'm like, <laughs> she has no idea what's going on. They literally roll around. I'm like, oh, the Patriots are about to win the Super Bowl. And she's like, F you. Like, don't mess with me. Like, this is, I just I'm, had I'm, surgery, I'm, man. She's like, I'm in pain. Oh, she's not even, she didn't give her the, oh, she was pre so they wouldn't give her the surgery that night because the Patriots were in the Super Bowl because they were worried about so many drunk driving accidents that night. Oh, like legitimately, they were like, we have to keep the OR open. So she's all hyped up on like morphine. And I'm like, no, look here, take the, they're going to win. And she's like, what? And then like, all of a sudden 
you'd think everyone in the ER was cured because when they scored the touchdown and James Wright runs it in, the place erupts. Yeah. And everyone's like, but again, <laughs> people are in the ER like dying and the Patriots win the Super Bowl. Everybody, everyone's cured. I was going to say, everybody gets up and starts yeah, walking people again. people are dancing down the street. You're like, wait, what? And like, she was like, wait, what? Like, what just happened? It's like being at sports church, man. It's everybody really, felt it's, like uh, the good Lord just walked in. It really was. And <laughs> it's like those things are just so soothing to the soul because you just you lose every other care in the world for those moments like you can't think of anything else like there's nothing else going through your head other than we won yeah and that's just there's no feeling like that yeah you know i think of when the red sox won in 2004 and people were going out to the graves right putting beer and you know pendant penance and thing everywhere for the people who didn't get a chance to see them win in their lifetime right and so i equate that and i we've never won one so i don't know like is is like winning a war it's like it's like you feel like this jubilation right. come over you that you just won a war right and we're like the, the soldiers are coming home and we're going to celebrate yeah. i feel like that's the closest thing we're going to ever get and it's right. like people like you said people were crying old men were going to graves and saying how do their dads their grandparents yeah that's po- so powerful and it's, it's just, so powerful even now i just thinking of a few things that i'm not sharing now but i'm just thinking of my family and my grandmother and things like that uh, wow holy crap it's like i stop for a minute and just have to wake up from a dream you know, talking to my grandmother about her seeing babe ruth pitch for the red sox in 1916 uh, or 18 i'm like what it's you crazy saw that? right and but the, and that i've always said the reason i love what i do is there is one constant that you can transcend race generations age sex you can have a conversation with your grandmother about the boston red sox right you can talk and have that familiarity and you both care about you that. You connected beat. multiple generations. You connected like that. that. Yeah. I mean, you have different tastes in music. You have different tastes in clothes. You have different probably societal views, but you both be like, oh, let's talk about the Red Sox. And yeah. it, like you're you're joined by that and it doesn't matter how old you are. You can both agree you hate that NY and yeah. you love that B. And the only thing that changes <laughs> is the name on the back, but you still love the front of the laundry. And there's, there's not much else in the world that that brings people together in that capacity. You know, it's funny you say about the B and the NY, right? I mean, uh, I, you, you grew up in the NY. I, I did. Assume, and I grew up in the B, but now you're you're a B man. I am. <laughs> I walked in with a jacket wearing a B. I'm, my family can't believe it. I mean, I when I tell you, I hated this organization on the field. Like I just, I grew yeah. up a Yankee fan. You just learned to do that. I was in college during the Aaron Boone thing. Like it was, yeah. it was like the height of the rivalry, Clemens and Manny. Like it was, it was <laughs> awesome. Right. And I was a Yankee fan. Uh, and I worked for the Red Sox and people are like, how the hell did you do that? Like you traitor. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Again, I'm not 12 anymore. So like right. I, I grew up, it comes down to the people you work with. Yeah. Like if you don't, if I didn't like, if I didn't like who I worked with and the organization and the people that what we do, there's no chance I could ever put that B on my chest. I have two World Series rings from the Red Sox. Like, right, yeah. I would never, if you told 16-year-old Chris, you're going to have two World Series rings from the Boston Red Sox, I'd be like, yeah, there's no, literally. If they said you were going to get two World Series rings, you'd think they're going to be NYs on it, but they totally. actually have Bs on them. There's Bs on them. So I'd be like, there's no chance I'm ever going to be working for the Red Sox if you told 16-year-old Chris that. But yeah. things, it just it just happened. And yeah, it just it, it, the world evolves and you change and you go with it. But I want to play a, a funny scenario with you. you Let's say that you are the NY guy and yeah. I'm the B guy, and you're you're not the the man that you are working as the president of marketing for the Red Sox. Um, but <clears throat> so you come to Fenway, and 
we pick on each other the whole time. Yep. I'm not going to throw beer at you and you're not going to throw it at me. But I'm like, sit down, yep. Valente. You don't know shit. Right? Yep. And then you're like, ah, see, I told you. Boom, home run. Nah, I got you. Let's go, Yankees. All this is happening, right? So we're ready to kill each other. But then three months later, we're out in L.A. at an L.A. game. And they're shitting on me because I'm some mass hole, as they call us, right? Yep. And they're hammering me for it. And you, you, the East Coast sucks. You're a bunch of wimps. And all of a sudden, there's my buddy with the NY right next to me. And I'm wearing the B. But we're both from the East Coast. We have another connection there. The B and the NY make it great. Yeah. Without it, it's 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 boring. It's like the Bruins without the Canadians. And there's a, it's totally. And there's <laughs> yeah. a mutual respect, even though there's a deep... I'd call it sometimes hatred, yeah. but there's a mutual respect. And sometimes people are stupid and they throw beer at each other. But for the yeah. most part, if you're an intelligent <laughs> fan and you sit at Fenway Park or Yankee Stadium and you cheer on your team and that's what you're doing, that's fine. Yeah. But without the two of them, there's no rivalry and that changes the whole dynamic of the of your fa- of your fandom and yeah. you need you need that yin and yang oh, and that's the, what I was going to say and the NY will protect the B versus the LA there's no doubt about right. like there like I was able to transcend with my friends I was a Yankee fan at UMass Amherst rooting when Aaron Boone home runs but we we got along because we still enjoyed each other's company because the rivalry is what makes it great. But you know the passion of it. and you, Totally. You, I understand both sides of it. Yeah, because you're looking at that guy saying, I can't stand the fact that he likes the Yankees. Who would like those scumbags? But he loves them so much that he looks just like me loving the, the Red Sox. Yeah. So it's really the same thing, but you're looking at it from two different, uh, two different perspectives, but it, it's really the same thing. It's the love of the damn sport, and it gives us meaning sometimes. It doesn't have to but it seems to do it. It does. It's this weird innate thing inside of a human that just sport brings this out of us. And I mean, the one thing Boston and New York can always agree on is Philly sucks, right? But Boston and New York both hate Philly. Like, so like, oh, you know what? Philly sucks. Like, we can let's agree. go pick on them. We can agree that they are the worst. So like, let's unite. And right. then it's, uh, but it's, it's that fun part of it that we're missing, right? We're, we're literally as a society missing those feelings yeah. because we don't have them. sports played sports on TV Empty arenas, empty stadiums. Look, the NBA and the NHL did a phenomenal job getting their their season finished with the bubble. The logistics that goes into like they're not. The one thing I tell people is like, look, we're sports people. We're not people who can figure out a pandemic and logistics for yeah. how to keep people in a bubble. Like that's not what we do. Right. We just play sports. We just play sports. Like we have a lot of logistics to go into it, but not that. And then for them to do it that quickly, get the season off and finished. The MLB played, but it's different. Look, I'm not gonna lie. We. I, I get paid to watch. It was hard to watch sometimes because yeah. there's just, you're missing that atmosphere it, yeah. you, in the fake crowd noise. You're missing the 12th man. Work. You got to have them right. there. Yeah. NFL games you're watching and you're like, it's quiet. Like it's yeah. just, there's something weird. And like psychologically, I think as humans, we want to watch something that matters. Yeah. And if you turn something on and there's nobody there in your mind, you're like, this doesn't matter. Yeah. You're I just, right. I think it literally has some kind of psychological effect on us. You wind up turning the channel. The Masters was difficult to watch. Like, I love watching the Masters. Yeah. I didn't even watch it this year. I watched for like that reason. 25 minutes, and then like, you'd see a big putt, and there'd be like, <laughs> nobody's clapping. There's silence. Right. Like, wait, what is, like, this is, this is the Masters. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it was weird. And we, I think we've known this now, and we realize that we need fans. Like, yeah. it, it changes. And a lot of them. The players have even said it changed 
the way they played. It changed the yeah. motivation. Like a game seven in the NHL with no fans. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Come that's, on. That's not game seven, that's right? Not, that The whole game itself. Like I didn't watch any of the hockey because the Bruins were doing so well before this hit that they were the odds-on favorite Total, to go they the were distance. Completely. But then all that fell apart, and you know it was hard to watch now. I just couldn't do it. I'm like, oh my God, this is painful. And as someone see. who works, in the, I get like. I would never begrudge anyone who says that because, like, I, I'm the same. I feel it. I understand it. It's it is what it is. Yeah. There's a reason they're playing. Uh, they don't want to just go away. And there's TV contracts. Yeah. Uh, of course, there's money on the table. Always. But it it's not the sport we're accustomed to. Right. We we definitely. I, I can't imagine even like in a high school sport. I mean, I didn't play professional sports, obviously, but you play in a high school football game and there's 25 people there on a Saturday afternoon or excuse me, like a Friday afternoon because there's mosquitoes in the air and they won't let us play at night. I mean, some of the wonkiest <laughs> crap. I'm just like, what? Okay. Anyway, um, as opposed to playing the Friday night game when you've got 5,000 people there screaming and then it's the nighttime and it's exciting. Think about that emotion that you felt when you're about to go play that game yeah. and you knew there's gonna be a lot of people there and you just felt different and yeah. like, and you want to play for them completely. And yeah. you, people sometimes forget professional athletes are human beings. Yeah. Like they are like they're paid a zillion dollars, no doubt, but, but they still, they want to win, but they're human beings yeah. and they feed off of that as well. Like they've also been the best at what they've done their whole entire lives. They've never not played in front of anybody. Right. right. If you're that good, you draw a crowd. Right. It's sports. Like you draw in high school, someone had to go see this running back or the quarterback play. Then in college, you're at a big school. And then now you're in the NFL. There's always been a ton of people watching you. Yeah. Tiger Woods can't walk on a golf course without 10,000 people following him around the golf course. Yeah. Even if he hasn't won in five right. years. <laughs> He's still, but there was nobody, there's nobody with him. It just yeah. changes. It completely messes with your mind. It does. It's hard to watch because you don't know what you're watching. It doesn't feel right in your head. Like it's been that way for me 50 plus years. It just, it just doesn't feel like it did before. My, my brain is trying to manufacture a feeling, you can't, but it's you've never confused. Seen, you've never seen it. It's like me trying to kiss my brother or right. something. You've, that nev- work. <laughs> you've never seen, you've never seen it, right? You've yeah. never watched an NFL MLB game without fans in the building. Right. So yeah. you don't even know how to like process. How it. do you react? Do you, yeah. you react by saying this is weird and my mind's like, I don't know what I'm watching. Click. And then one day it will be fine again. And you'll be like, Oh, this, this looks familiar. It's, yeah. Let me, let me throw this on. It's funny. Cause it is football season. My wife shares different views than me on certain things. So she likes to watch. She loves college football. Thank God. Cause we watch it together and it's nice to do something with my wife. That's not just food related and going out to dinner, which I love, but that ain't happening either. Nope. So we stay home and we watch college football, but then she'll watch the Patriots game or something on a whatever channel. And I don't watch NFL football. So I, I sat and I was looking at it and there was all this like crowd stuff. And so you can barely hear the announcers because they have the crowd noise pumped in so high that I'm like, what did he just say? Like Collinsworth or something. I'm like, play that back. I'm like, well, could they just turn the damn thing down so I could hear Collinsworth speak? But I look at a play, right? This amazing play that happens. And I go, oh, that's nice. And then I go about my business. I go downstairs. It, two years ago, I'd be like, oh my God, I want to see every bit of it, every facet of it. Yeah. Man, I want to see the place going crazy. They're just not going crazy. So let me ask you about the next year for the uh, for your team. You have a new, the, the, the coach is back. What's He's the, back. What's the vibe? What, what can you tell me? Uh, positive. I mean, the last time we were good and won was Alex Cora and he paid his debt into baseball and sat out a year and, for the, his role in the Astros stuff. So yeah. he's back as manager. Uh, they We've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, but 
the players wanted him back. The organization wanted him back. It speaks to him as how he has as a leader. And yeah. so that's all positive. Yeah. Uh, again, everything that we can take as a positive step forward right now. Yeah. We'll I like him. You, you really have to start with somebody at, at the helm. That's it all be starts at the to, top, right? It really does. Yeah. And I mean, we you have, can have the greatest players, but you, you need the whole package. You do. And, and like your main job as a manager in most sports is to manage the egos and the ups and the downs of a young player and developing the strategy comes. I mean, player, the best players go on the field and they take over. Like they're just, they just play the game. Right. Right. Um, there's strategy of course involved, but mainly your job is happening mostly off the field and making sure that the team is together or someone has an issue that you're, you're taking care of it or you're developing a guy cause he's down. Like they're, again, this is what people forget. They're humans. Like you've talked about sports psychology. Yeah. Being an athlete is hard. Oh, the pressure, Crazy. The travel, the life away from your family, family yeah. it's tough. And baseball is a long ass season. Yeah. You are on the road a lot and it can get long and lonely. If you're a 21 year old kid who doesn't speak English, don't know anyone on the team and you're on the road all the time. Yeah. And you're away from home. You're away from home. You don't yeah. even, you can't, and you can't communicate with anybody because you don't even speak English. So right. it's, it's a hard job when you're trying to manage all these different persons. 25 different people come from 25 different places with 25 different agendas, right? So your job as a manager is to keep those guys together and bring a team on the field that plays together to win. I think they missed a, a lot of fans don't quite maybe totally embrace that a manager isn't just somebody who sets the lineup. No. I mean, he does that. Don't get me wrong. And that's important. Which, but by the way, and they'll admit this, you and I can set the Red Sox lineup. Like yeah, you, I mean, it's almost like the old monkey that pulls the Rolodex and, and invests and he beats like, yeah, like, uh, all right, the Xander Bogart, you bat third. Rafael Devers, you bat fourth. You bat Mookie yeah. Bessie, you bat lead. Like, setting the lineup, at the, day, like, at the end of the day, like there wasn't yeah. a lot of decision that goes into like yeah. where did J.D. Martinez... Some Martin in-game management. Totally. Steal when you and, take a pitcher out. And the, yeah. There's strategy. Absolutely. But a lot of it happens off the field. Yeah. Well, if we go back and we look at the... I always call it the chicken wing debacle when uh, the, the... Oh, Robbie Red, Valentine. Yeah, when the when they, they were really struggling internally at that time. And then you look at it and you go, it's just totally mismanaged. The whole thing was a mess. It start, But it's, it's again, it starts at the top, right? Yeah, you, yeah absolutely. You, it all comes down. Leadership starts at the top. And whatever you set the tone as the culture is what the people underneath you, your employees, yeah. buy into. As they, I remember the movie, uh, Remember the Titans, he said, attitude reflects leadership. So if you're going to get people to play for you, then you need to be somebody who has a great sense of leadership capacity. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's true in anything in life, right? Yeah. Good educators, good teachers, good good bosses. It all starts with them in terms of who sets the tone for the whole department, the whole the learning curve, whatever you're doing. Yeah. If you don't have a good teacher, <clears throat> you're not going to learn anything and you're also going to feel like, what am I doing here? And then, then all of a sudden the attitude of every individual on that team or employee changes yeah. and it starts at the top. And managing something, it's not, you know, you look at someone and say, well, they make a bunch of money and they're at the head of, of the organization. It, sometimes they get a bad shtick, like, oh, they make all this money, blah, blah, Do you know how hard it is to be able to bring somebody along and teach them and then be their leader by making decisions with or for them, but then you have to let them make their own decisions in order to build themselves. And that's a hard dynamic to be able to know when and when not to. CEOs make a lot of money. Like yeah. pe- people make a lot of money yeah. and they get paid to do big jobs. Um, it's the, if you took money out of it and just looked at the actual, I mean, there was a time and place where major league managers and players did not make a lot of money, right? right. They made decent money, but they didn't make. No, but they make it today. Not even close. Right. So 
they've the game has grown, the revenues have grown, and they get rewarded for such. They're just lucky to be in this time of day making that kind of cash. But the yeah. job of over the last hundred years has been the same. Like right. imagining Mickey, imagining Babe Ruth who's out partying and drinking and be like, "Babe, we need you here at the game." Like. That's a that's a full time job. Right. Mickey Mantle would show up half drunk, like right, like right. You got to put him in a bucket of water, right? And like wake him up. <laughs> that's the stuff these guys deal with as a manager. No different than you deal with as an employee when you have like this really rock star employee, but you got to keep him on a leash because yeah. like you're like, all right, you got to go so far before I pull you back, but not take you away to be let you be you. Right. right. It's like finding that balance. It's like as being a, good, a father, a good it, father. It really like that, is. It's know? like let that person do what gets them successful, but also know when to reel them back in before they they. They hurt their production. Yeah, yeah. So he's so Cora's coming back. So will he set the tone for who's playing on the roster next year? Or well, no. That so that be- comes from Heim Bloom, <clears throat> who was our new GM of last year. So he is from the Tampa Bay Rays. Okay. And he was one of the architects who have built that organization up with no money. Like the Tampa Bay Rays don't spend money on players, but they have found diamonds in the rough, drafted well, right. and found people that can come in and not have to cost you. $100 million. Right. So now that he has money to play with, he'll be able to take those philosophies, no different than a Theo, and kind of put those together in terms of how you build and construct the roster. So he, but we're, we're look, look, we're rebuilding. We got We have a lot of work to do. We even need a new pitching staff. Our lineup is great, but are we pitching wins championships? I think fans and myself included, I'm okay with that. Like you just said, hey, don't realize that we're rebuilding. Oh, okay. it's it, it, look. I'm okay watching the rebuilding process. It's it's every single organization and franchise goes through it. The yeah. good news for us compared to some most is we have the resources to rebuild quickly. Quickly, yeah. Which it's not going to be a ten year <laughs> rebuild. It might be a year or two, and we're like, all right, we're back to normal. Was it 2013 the last one we won? 18. 18, 13. Oh my god, I forgot Cora was back. Again. Yeah, we won the World Series in 18. Right. I was out in LA right before my daughter was born, a week before she was born, went in the oh World Series, landed, came back, parade, birth of my daughter. Ooh, Crazy man. week. And now she has herself a World Series ring. She does. She has she, she has the bigger her, one. Her fingers aren't big enough yet, but No, they're getting there. And she's she's been telling she's been telling I like diamonds. I was like, oh, all right, this is good news. Not, <laughs> Time to win again. Not my problem, sweetie. That'd be your boyfriend's problem uh, yeah. in twenty years. Well, Cora and the new GM, do they like sit down and, and Oh yeah, converse no. about what what their expectations are. One hundred, yeah. I mean, the boss is the boss, which is Heim. Yeah, the manager's supposed to take the players that he gives them, and but he obviously you want to work with your manager to to get the right player for his system and style, right? Because you're not going to force something into someone that doesn't work for like the way Core is going to manage. So they, they, it's all collaborative. There's a bunch of people on the back end too that under Heim Bloom or giving their input. The scouts. It's a massive like a, a baseball operation to pick and choose and draft and sign massive and the amount of data analytics that go into it it's yeah. it's crazy like people tell me all the time like i talk to a lot of kids i want to be the next gm of so and so they're coming from mit like they're data <laughs> scientists at this right. point like they are able to take you and break you down into these quadrants of value that you're like you and i would look at be like what the hell what is, is that this? he's got a strong long finger like you and right i are like watch like oh he throws a good curveball <laughs> like that they have so much more into yeah. it of like the spin rate and all, like they just have turned everything into numbers that you and i wouldn't be able to con- comprehend how do you feel about that so the the best the best organizations are the ones that take those numbers and don't let it make every decision mm. right so the Oakland A's were famous for Moneyball. Moneyball, the movie, everyone yeah. saw that. They had no choice but to rely specifically on just the numbers. They didn't have no money. So like Billy Bean had to sign players with no money. Right. 
the Red Sox and Yankees take it to the next extreme where they have that system, but also have like the wherewithal and the smarts to use their head and watch, use their eyes, right? Right. I'm a, even in business, like business has gotten so over analytical to where it's paralysis by analysis sometimes. Yeah. That the best people are the ones that take the data and then use it to influence their decision, not let it make their decision. Yeah, don't be the full foundation of your choice. Get outside the box, man. Right. Like, just do something else. Like, it doesn't have to live in this little quadrant of Excel. Like, take that Excel sheet right. and then use your brain and your common sense to put that into action versus saying, nope, the numbers say this, this is what we're doing. Like, right. you could have a computer do it. Like, you don't need you. You don't right. need me, right? You know, kind of bring, I hate to speak of him because he's not here anymore and I like to talk about people who are here, but if you look at the Brady's of the world, yeah, he didn't, he didn't, in his analytics, they weren't going to be very, very strong. And at the beginning when he was being drafted, they were there, but he wouldn't be sitting on the bench for two years in the fourth position if they were that good. Right. But what he had was the intangible, which is the human spirit and the desire to, to there's something inside that man that we haven't seen in, I don't know if ever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, no one's well, done in baseball. It. We got it in big poppy cause he was that guy who could pull it, but he couldn't do it till four. Like if there's something about Brady yeah, playing his position for as long. years. I, I, it doesn't make any sense. But do you think Ortiz could have played longer? No, he was his feet were shot. So if he, he was didn't killing have, him. If he didn't have the injuries to his feet, do you think his as a DH? Yeah, I mean, he, let's put it because he, he could play to your four. He was only up at four times a game. It wasn't, it wasn't exerting much. So that was the that's how bad his feet were. He, he was yeah. only get down he was only pegs. batting. Like, it was killing him to play. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like Brady though defies everything we've ever known about athletes. Yeah. Like you're not supposed to be 44 years old playing in a top 10 in your position. Like, a, yeah, it's not, you should be a joke at this point. It doesn't happen. Oh, it hasn't happened. Now only he's the only one that's done it. Ever. Not even yeah. even close Yeah, to no be doubt. at this level, at this high for this long. And he hasn't been hurt since he tore his ACL, ACL. which was a freak injury yeah. 15 years ago. Other than that cranky shoulder that just comes and goes with winging well, you're 44. Balls. Everyone has a cranky shoulder. <laughs> like, I mean, that's... I wake up with mine every day. I, I, I think about it. If someone, I'm 38. If I got tackled on a football field, I'm not getting up. Like, there's no way. <laughs> Buddy, I'm going to give you a little advice. Don't get on a football field no, in that capacity. I'm, I'm not going to... No, no, no. I, I have always said that it's the one sport I'd like to do one play on just to see, like, the sheer yeah. violence and speed of these. Like, I've st- stood on the sidelines and watched it. Yeah. But to be out there to have a 300 pound man move at a 4-4 speed and be able to hit you, like, oh my God. Like, and he what? wants to hurt you. He wants to hurt like, Yeah, he wants you to leave the game and not like, come back. Like, that play must be the most intense, <laughs> scary thing of your life if you don't know what the hell is going like. It's kind of like being in a demolition derby with these trucks all smashing like, into each other. You could get in the batter's box and face a pitcher and be like, all right, this is this is fine. I'm not going to die. But like on a football field, you're like, if this guy hits me. I might not get back up. Let me ask you this then. If you could get up, and you're a baseball player and a damn good one, <clears throat> when you get in the batter's box, name one pitcher in the history of the game that you would love to face for your one-time shot in the in the. Uh, oh, Randy Johnson. Randy, I I had that. It was I had a feeling that I, it was, I just want to know what that feels like—a six-ten human being <laughs> stepping halfway to the home plate, 101 throwing hundred miles per hour. Yeah. And being like, ah, this is this is this is scary. Like that would like he's Nolan Ryan esque, right? I think right he, there, crazy. Like major but, league but, baseball players were terrified of Randy Johnson. He's like Big Bird like, whipping that. They're thing like, up. nope, don't want to be in this game. If, if you were a lefty, you took the day off. You're like, I am not. Like his arm reached the plate. He's throwing 100 miles per hour. <laughs> you can't see the release because it no, happens it, within point no. zero zero seconds. I would have loved. I would love to face Pedro. Yeah, that's my number one. Um, but I, I just think from the sheer hilarity of facing Randy Johnson. Like Pedro's a little guy. Like I've yeah. stood next, I'm bigger than Pedro Martinez, yeah. like, which is 
also what I think of his advantage was. This little dude standing on the mound throwing 99. <laughs> like, wait, where does this come from? And the action of that ball is all over the all place. All over the so place. Like, but, but Randy Johnson was like a cartoon character. Like, yeah. it doesn't make sense. But so I would love to face Randy Johnson. Just Do you think like, you could have hit um, Wakefield at his pitch? No, his absolutely peak? not. No, 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 no. <laughs> I just stick the bat I don't think, and hope for the best. I don't think I could hit. If, if a major league pitcher was doing their best to try and get me out, I would be able to hit very little of them, even by accident. Like, they are that good. Like, that's how good yeah. they are. What's the highest velocity you think you've faced in a batter's box over the years? Probably high 80s, right below 90. I had a kid that was, when I played in high school, who went pro, and he was throwing like high 80s at the time. Um, What'd that feel like? In high school, it felt like 120. Yeah. Like you just blinked. And like, so I can't even imagine a 97, 98 mile per hour fastball. It's, yeah. it's, I think it defies physics. They had a, I don't know who put it together, probably Nesson or somebody. It was uh, the story of Pedro in the, um, uh, the 99 uh, All-Star Game yep. at Fenway. When he blew away the three guys. Yeah. And he talked about it. And he it was so amazing to watch him speak of it. Because he spoke about every pitch and the psychology of every pitch he threw with the man that he was facing. And it was just gold. Pedro, Pedro <laughs> is Pedro. And this is the, the case for most great athletes is because what happens up between the, the two ears. Yeah. Like, his competitiveness, he was going to strike you out. He, he said, he talked about, he, he dusts his son back when his son gets too close on the plate. Like, that's his mentality. He's pointing to his he's head. Like, yeah, he, that's his mentality. Is like, yeah. and, it, and that's what separates a great athlete from a, an okay athlete is between the years. It's like, yeah. Big Poppy could stand in there and the moment didn't get at the best of them. There's just some people yeah, who were, want that ready. moment. Yeah, they're ready for they that. They thrive on that moment. And that's what makes a leader and someone who's really great versus someone who has an okay career. It's all about between, the, everyone's talented, right? Yeah. They're all talented enough to get there what's between the ears that lets you become the best ever he was talking pedro was talking about um uh not so so who was the other big guy there uh mcguire mcguire he says so i'm throwing him these pitches and i'm going inside i'm going inside and then i come outside with a change up and i was baiting him and hooking him the whole time and after i put him down he just looked back at me like Shaking his head, going, he got me. Yeah, he he made pe- Pedro made people look silly. His whole cr- <laughs> it was just the people look silly. Like he was able to throw ninety nine and then throw a changeup for eighty four. Like, his his changeup was like a fifteen to twenty. It was crazy. And it wasn't fair. He threw it the same way. It, it was. You couldn't Pedro, tell it was coming. So, but Pedro was must see television, right? Remember, like yeah. if he was pitching in Boston, everybody wanted to watch. Everybody wanted to watch. Yeah, you stopped just to go. You watch stopped to watch Pedro pitch, yeah. and like you stopped when the Ortiz comes up, or you stopped when Manny got in the box. You yeah. stopped when Randy. You, you would flip the channel. You see. Randy Johnson throwing 100, you'd stop. You're like, I have to watch this. And you don't know if you're about to watch one of the greatest moments of all time. Correct. I was in a bar in uh, Dallas, and when Pedro struck out 17 Yankees one night, yep. and it was like, people in Dallas had stopped the whole party, and they turned the television up on this big widescreen wall to watch him mowing them down. It was like, you were watching something that you may never see again, so pay attention, people. And I'm like, and then 2020 comes and I go, oh. Yeah. Well, that, that goes back to my point. Like, what else would a group of people in a different city stop to watch on the television other than bad news when that would typically be like, oh, no, right. there was something bad just happened other than a sporting event. Right. There's That's nothing else that everyone would just be like, I need to see this right now. And I'm going to live in this moment and with all these people around me and enjoy this. Yeah. Otherwise, you're typically staring at the TV with bad news. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sports just, it's. Our society, and I'm not saying this, I work in this business, our society needs sports back 
Big time. Big time. Yeah. We're unfortunately with the loss of the sports, we've lost some of the commerce escape. downtown. We've lost escape. We've lost it. And I want to say a quick hi to my friend John Karen again. Uh, John's my like, office is right above his building. Fenway, <laughs> right. like it's Fenway Johnny's. Like it, I can't imagine. I haven't been in Fenway Johnny's in nine months because I haven't been in my office. In you nine know, months. and it's it's getting pounded. Fenway Johnny's, obviously, like all the businesses Everybody. in Boston. And the same with West End Johnny's downtown. And um, I'm going tomorrow to um, uh, Reggae Brunch on Sunday. I try to go down as often as I can because it's so good. And I love the music and John's business needs the help. I, I get it. And he's had a, a string of tough luck lately. And I must want to put a quick, uh, how do you do this out to John Karen? So maybe I'll see you tomorrow. But <laughs> I want to see those businesses come back because we didn't even talk about this. Maybe on another podcast. But when the when the garden gets out, for instance, or when Fenway gets the out. The ecosystem. Yeah. And then you rush into the bars and you just, I mean, how many times did you see, it doesn't matter how to be Boston, even though we can say this. When the the game is on the road and wh- wh- whoever's playing, let's say Boston's in uh, the World Series against the Cardinals. Then you look, they show you the, the bars in Boston when Big Poppy hits a home run or something. And then all these people going crazy, crazy. and loving each other and kissing and hugging. Think, and about, think about even in like Toronto when the Maple Leafs and God bless their souls, they lose every time. Yeah. All those people are out in the square Standing there, like just watching on a big screen together, right? And they lose, yeah, every time. Um, Sorry, but, fellas, but they're, but they're there, and like, yeah. and they finally. I mean, they did win the Raptors. The Raptors won the championship, and they yeah. were in that jubilation moment with just people just gather together to celebrate, and like, versus gather together for other negative stuff that you're talking about. Like, it's just it's a different thing, it's a different vibe that it's, we all need. Right? It's now. funny. It's hinged off the same basic human desire is when we're focused on something, we put our energy into it. But if we put it into something positive, then you get a lot of fun. And it, it, but that group of people, it doesn't matter what your side you're on or what your politic is, what your race or nationality, it doesn't matter. You wear the shirt you're in. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Like you're there all for the exact same reason. You want to feel better. And the only thing you want is to win. And that's, and that's a common goal that it's very hard to find when you break it down to anything else in society. And that's what we just, we miss it. We really, really miss it. it. You know, having that time to just, um, I'm getting a, a vision in my head right now of seeing all those people from Toronto outside, right? But think about this, and and I don't want it to happen too soon because I'm a Boston Bruins fan, it's just the way it is, but when that city takes that cup, oh, <laughs> I mean, it's I'm going to watch the whole thing. Of course. Just because I know when what it When the Cubs like. won the World Series, you were like, <laughs> holy <laughs> crap, they finally won. Right, like It's yeah. like it's something you had to watch. How could you not be a part of that? And you know? to see the, the, jubil- like the relief and the jubilation, like there's, what else is going to happen in your life that someone's going to feel that good about? Like, right. it's unified. It's and, a great and, unification system. And, not, and but the, everyone in Chicago, even if you're a White Sox fan, you're like, "All right, this is cool. I'm part of this. Right? Great. My city won. You feel good. There's we have talked about elections are 51, 49. Half the people are happy. Half the people aren't happy. Like, right. that's not the case when your your city wins a championship. Yeah. And Everyone he, in New England's happy when the Patriots win. Like, there's nobody like, oh, yeah. like, except for like a small pocket of like Giants fans. But like then me. we're, you know, we're the new, we became the new evil empire of a different sport, right? So that's where my, <laughs> so being on both, so I, I lived on both sides. This is what cracks me up. As a Yankee fan growing up, Boston hated the Yankees. All you do is win, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's, it's boring. They became the Yankee, like the Red Sox, all they do is win. And the Patriots, all they do is win. The Bruins win. Like everyone yeah. wins. Yeah. They became everything they hated. 
Right. And they're like, this is much better. Winning, winning, <laughs> yeah. winning is much better. And now we're very pious. This yeah, is wonderful. This is great. The rest of you are suck. We're title town. Like you said, the rest of you are, can go pound sand. I want to win. And I like, know, exactly. It used to be like this martyr aspect of Boston, which is completely flipped on its head. Oh, like, yeah. And if you try to play it today, no one's believing no. you. No. What are you going to complain about? They win every year. My, your, my children, because they're older than your kids, but um, my kids grew up in... All these they don't victories. know anything. They don't, they don't know, know anything different. They know nothing different. Yeah. My kids will probably have a different. It's, it's cyclical, right? It's all yeah. cyclical. Yeah. They don't. They don't, they'll never know what Tom Brady is. They'll, like they'll not understand right. because he'll be retired by the time my son and yeah. my daughter are watching. He might be maybe. Yeah. 60. Maybe he's fifty. Maybe maybe he's bionic. <laughs> Who the hell knows? But it's just it's it's just a different time. But yeah, like Boston yeah. has been very spoiled with all of their sports yeah. since night since two thousand one. And you know. Whether we like it or not, one of the most powerful pieces is the baseball component. Now, I love hockey, so I love the Bruins and I love the story. But it, I mean, the Red Sox are older and deeper and more storied. Yeah, the Red Sox, and like the other thing that we have that no one else has in sports is Fenway Park. Yeah. Uh, oh, of course. It's just it's different, yeah. and there's it's like walking into the old North Church. Every Yankee fan now will admit coming up they miss old Yankee Stadium. Like yeah. the old Yankee Stadium was was unbelievable. There was like this. Ghosts when you walked in there. Oh, it was the house that Ruth built. It's different now. So you come to Fenway and you're at the oldest ballpark in America. Everybody and their mother has ever played there from Ted Williams to Babe Ruth to Willie. Like everyone's Everybody played who there. played baseball was there once. Right. They've yeah. played there. The history is there. It feels like you're in this downtown neighborhood in a ballpark, which yeah. you don't, they don't build them there anymore, right? They right. build them out in the outskirts to get more parking and more areas. Yeah. And then you have the Red Sox, which is ingrained in the society of fabric of Boston and New England all the way back to your grandmother. Right. You don't have, the, the Patriots don't even have that. They no. just, they don't have that. They have the last 30 years, but they don't have all the way back to 1920 when people were like, I'm a yeah. Red Sox it's fan. It's too new for the Patriots, you know? Yeah, and this will always be, this will always be a Red Sox town. There's just certain towns that are always, there's certain towns that are hockey towns, there's certain towns that are based, like, yeah. the Patriots have been extremely successful for 30 years. It'll be interesting to see what happens without Brady right. the next 20 years. But the Red Sox can be in last place and Family Park sold out. People, yeah, and they've got the, the the luxury of the park and the weather. Totally. It's yeah. a, it's a it's a monopoly on the best time of year in Boston. Right. Right. And every a lot of tourists want to come to Boston during that time and they all want to catch the Sox. We have five hundred thousand people a year do a tour of Fenway <sighs> Park. They That's come great. from all over the world to tour Fenway Park yeah. because it's the it's the oldest ballpark in it's a cathedral at this it's point. It's a shrine. It really is. Yeah. And you step into time. When you walk in through those doors and every time you walk out there, you're like, this you know, is really cool. When I was, um, John Karen and I were heading off to a, a, a Celtics game one night and he called and he said, come down to the park. Um, I'm down here and, and uh, I got some things I'm doing. So I drive down to the park. I get in. <clears throat> John says, listen, we were in the, in the players locker room and he was doing some stuff. Which is was, so tiny, by the way, compared to everyone. It's like people are shocked when they see how small that yeah, clubhouse is. I walked in, it was nothing impressive, right? Because it was built in 1908. <laughs> so I'm sitting in there and we chat and he goes, just give me a little bit of time. So I, hey, do you mind if I, you know, go down the chute out to the dugouts? No, go ahead, whatever, I'll come out and get you when I'm done. So I, and it's dark and it's January and it's cold, but it doesn't matter. So I walk down the chute and I stop there, kind of like, uh, you know, the mean Joe Green when he throws the shirt, you're in the, in the hallway there. Yep. I just kind of stopped and I, I look back into the, into the guts where I just come from of the building. Then I look out and then I see the field, which is taking me right to the dugout. And as I come out and I stand in the dugout, I was moved. 
almost to tears. I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I'm like, holy crap, who stood here? Was Babe Ruth standing here? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Was Ted Williams here? Johnny Pesky here? You know, Pedro Martinez and Fisk, ba- all of them. They've all been there. Yes. I'm like, holy, I'm emotional now thinking about it, right? <clears throat> so I get out there. And I'm, I'm now I'm in the park and I'm like, oh my God, you talk about the shrine and the ghosts, so to speak. I know I'm not really ghosts, but just that exciting spirit of that. It's yep. still alive there. And I'm running around the bases and he's like, let's go. And I'm like, hold on, give me a second. He's like, what are you doing? Because John's done it a million, a times. million times. It's just an everyday thing for him. And I'm like, this is the coolest damn thing I've ever seen. And then we wind up going into the into the Celtics game. And, you know, now you have another whole incredible lore. He was on my podcast not long ago, just before the COVID started. He started telling me some stories about Bobby Orr and how he'd hang out at the park at Fenway. Such and, a good guy, Bobby Orr. Yeah. And that's, you know, then John echoed that and some of the stories he told. It was really cute. He goes, yeah, he was working, uh, not working, but he would be down in the, in the Nissan, I think, Nissan had a, yep. a a booth there at one yep. time or something. And he said, so he, he didn't need a break. And he'd get out and he'd come down and he said he would, you know, knock on my door. And then he'd, oh, great, you're in. And then Bobby would come in and sit down. Yeah, come on in, Bobby. So John's sitting there with Bobby and he, he knows Bobby, so it's not a problem. And then they're talking and up came three or four of the other employees, younger guys in their 20s. And they come in and John's like, go ahead and sit on the floor. And they just sat there and they're like, Ugh. yeah. And they're looking at Bobby Orr and talking about sports and he goes, this guy is unbelievable. And it goes back to like, you, know, you look at Bobby Orr, such a great ambassador for his sport. Big Poppy's the ambassador for his sport. And you see that there's these great leaders that even though they leave, their their history and their energy never goes away. Never. And you could watch it over and over and over, just keep getting more of it in those moments when you feel like, ah, this is the worst time ever. Well, maybe it is on some occasion, on some way, but why not just make a conscious decision to go find something that moves you emotionally? How did you feel running around the bases? 12 years old again? 12. Right? I actually slid into second base right? and it was snow there, on the ground. But <laughs> what, what else makes you feel 12? Nah, Nothing. sports. Right. Yeah. Because I grew up with it and right. I was an athlete. It, it triggers something in our brains. Like really I'm 12 does. years old again right now. And that's what I get to do for a living is bring people for three and a half hours into a situation. If they bring their kid or their grandmother, or their mother, or their dad to feel like they're 12 years old again. It yeah. just, it re-triggers this century of like, I'm going to just put everything away. My shoulders are going to relax. I'm going to hang out. I'll get stressed out in the key moments of the game, but it's a good stress, right? Yeah. It's a great Well, it goes up and edge. down. It's an, and that's on what edge, makes it it's an on edge stress. Like the world's yeah. not going to end if we lose. For some people it might, but like yeah. it's a great feeling to have that you can't really find elsewhere. For that long, it's a three and a half hours, a sensation of triggering so let me positive you, memories. What kind of a game seven would you want to watch in baseball? Uh, in Fenway Park, would you like to see them win 15 to nothing or would you like to see it go 14 innings and win five to four in a walk-off? Oh, well, if I'm going to, if I know I'm going to win absolutely the five to four in a walk-off, like, <laughs> but you have to deal with the stress oh, of 14 innings. It's okay. Cause it's a good stress. It's right? like the one good stress that actually makes sense. Cause it's like, you, you're, you're just, your body is at another level, right? Like your adrenaline is, it's adrenaline stress. But only if you win. It's not stress. <laughs> correct. If I, if I know I'm going to lose, like, but it's even, painful. even it's, it is painful, but it's still just an adrenaline. Yeah. That you can't. It's a feeling you weren't going to get at work. No, so like, to speak, you know. No, and it's even there's no wins or losses that ever in business that make you feel that way. Even if right. you monetarily succeed, like it, you never get that euphoria of when your team wins. Yeah, you yeah, know, I'm with you, and and thank God we have it. And right now it's just a little wonky.
clunky, but I'm, I'm, I'm. It'll be fine. It's gonna come. It has to come back because it's such a, uh, it's such an economic thing too that all but eyes to, are on to, it. So you talked about John Karen. Yeah. All those businesses down by TD Garden, all those bars, those restaurants, literally survive off of the Celtics, the Bruins, and the concerts. Yeah. We like, already lost the fours, right? And it's it's that's the thing is like Fenway Park in the Fenway neighborhood is driven by the Red Sox. Right. And when there's no Red Sox, there's no Fenway neighborhood. Yeah. So well, it's like Fenway is the heart and then the rest is what receives the blood. Fenway is the Fenway is the heart of the city. And yeah. like, there's no denying that. And it's not because I work for the team or anything. No, I, I don't know how you, I mean, it's really the, there's other than Wrigley, there's no other place in America that can match it. No. Or even come close to it. No, it can't. It can't. Yeah. That little piece of real estate has had more path. I, I, I kind of think of it as like this because I made this connection one time. I was with a buddy in, in the Vatican and we were inside um, uh, the uh, Sistine Chapel. I said, do you realize how many people in 500 years have stood right here? Nasty people, amazing people, leaders. I mean, you think of Hitler Everyone's to Kennedy to, you know, Roosevelt. You add them up, they've all been there. Yep. And I don't know, it's a correlation, but it's not exactly the same. But the Red Sox have had, what, 100 plus years of people coming to that stadium. And many of the people I just mentioned were probably there at one point. It was, it was right? Yeah. It's true. It's like there's not many places in America that you can go to where you have that same connection to folks. Yeah. And especially there's nowhere in sports. That's it. And, when, you know, when you go to the park, you sit in those small seats. Yes. Because people were small back in they those were days tiny. when they built them. They were all five foot five, apparently, because <laughs> if you're anything over that, your knees are up to your, uh, right, your I'm chin. Like this. I'm like, oh. It's all part of the experience. It is, Face the, the wrong way, look the wrong way. You know, These poles in your way. I was going to say, there's the no, pole. It's all good. It's Did all that, part of the experience. And you know, it's fun is that if you haven't been to the park in a number of years, you go and then all the multimedia stuff they added to it, like the in between inning music and it's stuff. It's changed, yeah. but they. But the one thing we have done, and I think they've done a really good job, is keeping it not too honky. Like you don't go to Fenway to get that crazy over the top, right? Experience like a Vegas experience. No, type thing. it's 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 built for like as close to as pure as it can get yeah. without being boring. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to go cheesy. No, you can't. You you, yeah. you have to toe that line as a Fenway Park, right? You, right. you people are going there for a very specific it's a, it's reason. It's almost like a, it's, well, it is. It's a historical site. It needs to maintain its original integrity. It does. To maintain that, that denomination. We're a historical site. This is who we are. But while we're here, we're going to have a little bit of fun with your kids. Totally. You know? And yeah. then like you had to build the suites. You had to, you need, you need money. It's a business. You yeah. Need to, you have to have those amenities to support the people that are going to come in and give you the big dollars. Right. But at the end of the day, you walk in with your son or your daughter the majority of you still feel like you were there when you were 12 years old. It hasn't yeah. changed. Nothing's that, changed it hasn't as far changed. as I'm concerned. Yeah. I walk in, it smells the same. Yeah, and that's I, the thing. It's this, <laughs> that trigger, that century of smell. Yeah. Every time I walk in there, you know where you are. You, it sends you, it knew exactly where you are. It yeah. was, it was what I had when I went to old Yankee stadium. Like you walked in, you had that smell. You're like, I'm, I'm home. Like yeah. it's just, it just that connection. Well, the old Boston garden was definitely that. I always said it smelled like a, an ugly Frito, <laughs> like a corn. I chip. never, I had never got to the Cause it closed in 95. Oh, you and I was 13 and I'd never been to the oh, garden. Gosh, yeah. I know my team closed down the Boston Garden. The New Jersey Devils beat the Boston Bruins in that was the last game. That was the last game. Wow. That stadium was vertical, which meant it was like that, it was like a box, right? Yeah, it was like a box and it was like straight up. So when you were at the game, you could almost you could be in the top balcony and look down on the top of the players. I've heard helmets. it was very steep. Very steep. Very yeah, steep. You fell off. You, you were going. It, you're yeah. done. <clears throat> but it, what it did was it took the the volume and it placed it directly onto the players, onto the ice. If you were watching a Bruins game, which is my favorite in the garden. But 
when you go to those, when we went to those games, it was like, are you kidding me? You could feel the whole place just shaking. shaking. And I'm like, it will it collapse. And then walking these long, loping, sloping aisles and walkways to get to your seat. And it all smelled like corn chips. And <laughs> it was part of the experience. It was. I don't know whether they but were But you went it and in. you're like, I love being here, right? I like, loved it's, it. It's, loved just, it. it's just something about, there, there's something in our DNA that wants us to be in those situations Back to the Coliseum, as we talked about, like, yeah. I want to be with a crowd. I want to be watching something that's going to entertain me. Let's go. I don't care if it smells like crap. I'm going, I'm coming, but that's all part of the why I actually enjoy that's, being here. Yeah, it's all part of the why. And then it's your crap. Yeah. You know, it's like, I can... But the fan, other fan comes in and like, oh, this is a dump. And you're like, really? This is a dump? Like, yeah. I'll fight you to the death if you call my place a dump. Like, yeah. this is my home. And then you and I are talking about it because we love it. And we go, what a dump, huh? Yeah, it's a terrible dump. So <laughs> yeah. I would sit there and be paid. But me. I can call it a dump, but you can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you, that's your home. That's you're proud. Uh, it's your yeah. barn, right? Like, that's yeah. you're going to defend and, that. And you know, it's funny. That's why I love the, my, one of my, I mean, I love all Boston sports, but my heart always hits with the Bruins because it's the lunch pail guys, you know? It, it's a very different. It's a very different dynamic. Hockey, hockey is my favorite sport live. Yeah. Like I love me too. Hockey live for me, there's nothing better in terms of, especially playoff hockey. I, I'll go to the my grave and say that's the best thing I'm with you. ever yeah. is a playoff hockey game. The anticipation, the crowd. Unbelievable. hockey fans are, they're definitely cut differently. They're, they're cuckoo. They're crazy. <laughs> They can't afford those tickets, but they spend every dollar they have on them. <laughs> they just sold their motorcycle they to go to a game. They are diehards. They yeah. are live and die, and they love their team, and they will die with their team, and they will fight for their team. And it's, there's something different about a hockey fan. They're yeah. just they're not all there because <laughs> it's a hockey player. They're not all there, <laughs> but but you love it, and you just yeah. love being in that moment with that environment. I, I, it's some of the best moments of my life have been at hockey games. Yeah, me too. And I just you know when they when the Bruins were playing in this last go around, I I, I didn't want to watch because nothing against the players. It. Yeah, again, I think you and I talked about that earlier. It didn't seem to have the same connection with me. I under, look, I I understand. I feel I work in the industry and yeah. I. I had, I had some executives in our level who were at some of our games uh, at Fenway because it was very, very little people allowed in the building just because yeah. of like, you had to make sure the players didn't get it and shut down the sport. Yeah. They were like, it was not great. It yeah. was like being in a weird exhibition. You were almost glad that no one could come and see this because- It might detract from the- It was so odd. Like nobody yeah. in Fenway Park for a baseball game? Like right. when does that ever happen? <laughs> I can't imagine what that looks like. It's it's. They were like, it was weird. Like it was really weird. It's like a practice game or something. It, it kind of felt like a, a glorified yeah. exhibition at some level. Yeah. The playoffs changed a little bit. Like it, you felt more like I watched some of it, and it was like, okay, the intensity picked up, but it's not the same. Like you can't you no. can't replicate. L A's got fifty five thousand people screaming if like they're at the World Series and yeah. they win. Like it's just different. Right. It's different. That's why I said uh, congratulations, L A. I'm glad you won this year. They won. Yeah, they won two <laughs> with nobody. Right. They won the NBA and the MLB. Yeah, and I was like this. <laughs> like, in terms of that, like L A. won two World Series, and like I've said, working in the industry. I'm glad I won two years ago with the Red Sox in 18 when we could go have a parade. I could be at the game. <laughs> yeah. If I won as an employee, like the Tampa Bay Lightning won the cup. Yeah. The employees couldn't even go near the cup. Like you just missed all of it. All of it. All the partying afterwards if you were a player. I remember the Bruins yeah. when they won in 2011. There is none. The cup was down in Foxwoods. They were pouring they champagne were completely. in Completely. They were yeah. running around the city with it. Yeah, those were great times. Mike Napoli got naked in 2013 <laughs> running around the city after they won the World Series. Like it was like, that couldn't happen. There was no, there was no, no. celebration. Times have changed. Tell me about your podcast. How are you doing with it? 
It's been cathartic. Uh, we actually got acquired, quasi-acquired by Blue Wire Pods to go in their network. Nice. Uh, it's been relatively this upward trend of growth because of word of mouth and sports. Like if you talk sports, people come, right? Right, of course. Say the yeah. word sports, people are interested, their, their ears perk up. Yeah. But it's been really cathartic for the last eight months for my partner and I to actually have these open and transparent conversations that people appreciate, I think, to hear what we're really dealing with on the inside. And it's it's humanizing it a lot and giving yeah. people in. Like our business has been rocked. Like we've, my friends have been laid off. My employees have been laid off. Our organization went through major layoffs. We've went through massive pay cuts. The, like I just mentioned, Tampa Lightning won the cup. They laid off 30 people two weeks ago. Wow. Congratulations, you won the Stanley Cup. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been a really hard time for people at our level in this right. business. Like, we don't make the money the players make. Right. So the uneasiness and the, the everything we're all going through, we're all going through it together. Right. And we work in a very unique industry to begin with because most people don't know what the hell we do. Like, oh, you work for the rest, you must just go to the games and hang out. Like, that's the furthest thing from the truth. <laughs> yeah, we actually work. We work really hard and we work yeah. a lot more hours than most people do and we sacrifice and we, a lot of people, like, I'll be honest, I'll be very, it has been hard for me. Like, I've put 18 years into this business and I've given up holidays, I've given, I've had to move, I've slept on concrete floors with Boy Scouts for Scout sleepovers and the hockey games. Right. I mean, I've done a lot for this business to then hit a road blip when all of a sudden, okay, great, thanks for nothing, right. taking your pay away and you may or may not have a job, we're gonna do something, like, you're like, wait a minute, what? Like, yeah. how did this just happen? Yeah, not that anything can make us feel good about that, but you know, I think all of us are kind of in some way dealing with that rather than being singled out saying, hey, you know. But I think that's what's good to talk about, right? Yeah. And like, if sometimes the group, same thing as coming together as a fandom and a sports, like, it's our message to everybody out there is you're not alone because right, right now you can feel very alone. Oh, of course. Like there's days where you're in your basement and you're like, okay, I feel like I haven't been around another human being for a while. Right. I feel alone. And specifically the most, the most of our audience is in their young twenties. A lot of them might be alone, right? right? Because they're in an apartment. They don't have a family. Like I have my, I can go get distracted really easily by a four year old and a two year old right. and life goes on for me. Yeah. Same here. So in terms of that, like, it's just like, it's okay not to be okay, but don't be not okay by yourself. Reach out to somebody, go talk to somebody. We're right. here for you. That's the biggest message we're trying to get across right now is it is a really rough patch. No, no sugarcoating it. It right. really is. We're going to be okay. If you do the right things now on the back end, you'll be even better. Right. Don't use this time <laughs> to just mope, build, do research, educate yourself, be better. So when the thing does flip back on, you're good to go. You're ready. Right. You know, if you think about 86 years without a championship, there was a lot of waiting. A lot of wait. Like, what if the, what are the players doing? Like, if they're, are they just sitting? No, they're practicing. They're honing their skills. Yeah. Someone's going to ask you in an interview at the end of this, what did you do during this time? And if you're just like, well, I couldn't do anything and I just sat around, <laughs> there's going to be someone who's going to have a really good answer and say, I read these books. I took these online courses. I took, I studied this. I did research. Yeah. I learned a foreign language. Right. I, I put, I investing. put this together. Like, yeah. You have a story. And that's what I always try to tell young people is your interview is always a story. Yeah, it's your life. What's your story that you have to tell this person of why they should give you the job versus, well, I have this piece of paper. I graduated. This is just the process I go through. My dad knows you here. Hire me. Right. Those days are over. Yeah. Like you need to have a really compelling reason of why you're the person that should sit in my chair right. and I'm going to want you to go in the trenches with me. You have to know what your why is. And sometimes while you're going through this, like in the first few first month of this, it was wonderful for me. Not 
the disease portion, but being home with my kids because I got time. With I them. was like, great, I'll take a month off. Yeah, because I thought out. it was going to be a about month. To start, right, <laughs> season to start, I'll be like crazy time again. I'll hang out with the kids. I haven't, yeah. I've been go, go. I was in Miami. I was in Vegas. I was in spring training. Like, oh, great. Everyone yeah. needs a break. This has been far from a break. Yeah. It's been crazy. Like, it's the last, I, have, I haven't taken a day off because you're at home. This weird dynamic in your mind of like, I need a break, but if I'm not off, I'm, there's my computer. I can still be working. Yeah. It's just weird. And I'm glad the holidays are coming because I'm shutting it down for like three weeks. Well, you know, even in our podcast, uh, during early of, in the week, I'm like, hey, you want to come down and we'll, we'll chat? Yeah, I think people need it. So do you and I, right? We haven't seen each other in a bit since the Super Bowl. But, <clears throat> you know, it's it's Saturday morning, 8.30. Right. You know, you just keep going. You just do. You just keep going. You do what you've always done. You just keep at it. And then eventually, you're going to get to feel the warmth of the sun on your face again. Because nature always returns. Except right now, it is snowing. I did I'm, notice I'm, that. I'm like, it's snowing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just every once in a while, as a reminder, we live in New England. And you know what? I, right now, I'm like, I love this snow. What a beautiful distraction, right? It, it, so like tonight, going to decorate the, the tree with the kids. Snowing go. outside. It's yeah. perfect. Like yeah. That's going to be a really great escape. And the perspective I've gained during this time has really been good, right? Because yeah. like in my industry, in my life, I'm traveling, I'm working, I miss a lot of stuff. And being home and watching my now two-year-old evolve to become two, over, she wasn't two nine months ago, she turned two sure. in November. That was a really cool time to see her be like, kind of like a blob, right? She's just kind of walking around doing her thing. <laughs> to now she's speaking sentences and communicating. Yeah. And I've watched it all, which I never would have, I didn't see that with my son. Right, you were very I was at busy, work. yeah. And like, I'm not home all day. Like you miss those eight hours that you're not there. Right. So that's been really cool. And like, there's not, it's not all negative. And that's the message we try and tell people. It's like, yeah. there is some perspective of like, I'm hoping we'll never have this opportunity again in our lives. Right. I don't want to do it again, but. But this you'll never have this opportunity again in your life. Right. Like at the end of the day, when else are you going to be able to be forced to be with your family and stay home with them for a year? Probably it's going to be over right. a year. Yeah. Probably never again. Yeah. And hopefully you can make something good out of that. Yeah, and that's what we're trying to do is just like there is going to be positives. There's people who have become probably much more in tune with their 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 skill sets. They've grown them. They've learned technology they didn't know because we all had to. You got to learn how to use Zoom. Like what the hell is yeah. Zoom? <laughs> exactly. Like, Zoom this. Yep. Yeah, so, but we've all gotten better. And now I think as we come out of it in our in my world, we might have more flexibility to stay home and not be at the office five days a week. Right. I can go two days a week. Go three days a week. Right. And maybe you can have a better home life with your work life. Like that's going to be, I think we've all now realized we all needed that because maybe we all were working way too much and we were running a million miles an hour. And for what? Right. Right. At the end of the day, for what? Like the the first blip of the thing that happened, that's where we actually, we said it's okay to be the first sign of trouble. We all got screwed. Right. (laughs) So like, what are we doing? Why why bother? Why not at least balance it with family? Right. Like, okay, great. I busted my ass. And then like some of my friends are on this after 25 years, they're on the street. So, (laughs) Yes, you should bust your ass, but you also should take time not to bust your ass. Right. And like put some things that are going to make you feel better than work ever will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. Yeah. That's a good way to end it. There we go. <laughs> Listen, it's been great to have you on today. And I mean, you know, you and I could do podcasts. This is not Miami. Day. This is not Miami. We are not staring at the beach. This is not South Beach. I'm staring at snow. This uh, is very different. So yeah, it's not like seeing the This is the yin and the yang. Bar. This is it the is. yin and the yang. It is. We're in the trough. As we like are in the trough. 
But the trough doesn't last forever. It does not. But it lasts even shorter for people that have better perspective. So hopefully everybody at home can figure out, at least during number one right now during these holidays, how to have more fun with your kids, your family, whoever it is that you want to spend time with. And uh, just be safe and have yourself a wonderful holiday at home. And Chris, it's awesome having you on. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Maybe you and I will get to a Super Bowl or a World Series in the near future. That would be nice. You got it. Good talking to you, kid. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye.